We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I am Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Kyle Porter. <laughs> I think you're in Butler Cabin, or you're en route to Butler Cabin. I I am en route. I don't want to talk over the music there. It's so soothing. You got to whisper like Jim Nance. <laughs> But uh, you fired up for the Masters? You're going. Dude, I I, I'm, I'm pumped. I might, I might drive to Dallas and steal your media badge and just <laughs> pretend I'm Kyle Porter all week. I uh, I had the weekend off. It's my first weekend off in a couple of months, and it was refreshing. I feel recharged, rejuvenated. I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll. Bring me all the pimento cheese. Bring me all the azaleas. Bring me, mm. bring me the the as Jim Nance said, the most anticipated Masters of our lifetime. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely epic. Um, instead of sending me a check for next month, just spend all the money you're going to send me on the pro shop, <laughs> and just you have my address. Just buy the coolest stuff you can with all the money you're going to send me, and <laughs> we'll call it, we'll call it good. I saw the new pro shop. I, I can't I cannot wait. I'm giddy. I've, Kyle, I've studied this. Harder than I studied for most of my college finals <laughs> for my master's picks. But I, I do have a few concerns with that. But we'll, we'll talk master's at the end of the show. Yeah. Uh, we we got to get to some OSU topics. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk more about the baseball stadium? Yeah, I do. Uh, we, we touched on it right before the announcement came out on, uh, I believe it was Thursday. And uh, so after our podcast, you and I sort of got to see more of what was happening and, and the cost of it and some of the quotes from – Josh Holiday and uh, Mike Holder. And and the thing that struck me, Carson, is it, it seems like that Oklahoma State has become this program or this school, this university where there are it's not just a one sport or a two sport deal. It's got it's gonna have up to five, six, seven sports that have world class facilities and are you know, presumably attracting the best players in the country. Uh, or, or, or vying to attract the best players in the country in those sports uh, for the foreseeable future. And I just, I, I'm super impressed by that. I know Mike Holder catches a lot of flack and, and you know, people say what they want about him, but I, I just feel like he's done such a good job at taking all these individual sports and really improving upon uh, their previous foundations. No, it's it's the vision that he had initially, right? The athletic village that... We all know it just went to shambles with the, the the life insurance policies where they lost money hand over fist. But Mike Holder has totally recovered. And now you look around, with, once they finish this baseball stadium, it, it will basically be complete, right? You got the football stadium, the uh, indoor facility, tennis, soccer, and then this, this monstrosity of a baseball park is just awesome. And I know he wants to do more about wrestling too, which we can talk about a little later. But, but no, I mean, it's the vision that he had is, is coming into to full view. And I think the, the most stunning part of it, Kyle is, is you and I talk a lot about the athletic department, you know, barely being, you know, in the red. Um, you know, it's not, it's not an athletic department like Texas where they just have all this money. Yeah. And yet when you go to OSU now, once they finish this, it's, you're not going to find better facilities anywhere in the country for a program that's in Stillwater, Oklahoma. That's, that's exceptional. And, and obviously, fundraising has been the, the key since day one getting Boone Pickens and it clearly was here getting the baseball stadium done 
Yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine telling my 1998 self, well, Oklahoma State's going to spend $60 million, or $75 million, I guess, is going to be the total number. And I would have been like, oh, you know, maybe the fo- maybe football, will, that'll be an, an improvement to the football facilities. No, that's on the baseball. Ar- <laughs> right. Arguably, like, the fifth uh, tier, not fifth tier, but the fifth most uh, I, I don't know, like the, the, the program that gets the fifth most attention. Like you could, you could feasibly put football, basketball, wrestling, and golf ahead of baseball in terms of just attention and, and interest even at Oklahoma state. And that's how much they're spending on that. And we've seen it, we've seen it in tennis. We've seen it in a uh, track and, and it really, you know, it, it's taken a long time, but like you said, it's all coming to fruition and uh, I don't know. I, I I thought it was cool to hear Holiday talk about it, to hear Mike Holder talk about it, and I, I don't know. It was just uh, we haven't we're not we're gonna toast here in a minute, and I'll I'll save my toast for for then. But I I just I couldn't be more impressed by the the progress that they are they are making and and continue to make. What's the capacity? Do you know? Did they say in that press conference? Uh, I believe it. It, it was kind of weird because they said I think three thousand or thirty five hundred with the ability to expand it to like eight thousand, <laughs> which I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't know what that uh, looks like. Well, if like. that's if that's doable, I think that's perfect because on a day to day basis, three thousand is plenty. Um, but but if you want to host a regional, that's obviously why they uh, are building this park on top of all the other reasons you just gave. I mean, remember when we were in college, they they literally weren't allowed to host a regional because they didn't have like enough hotel rooms, nor was the park yeah. big enough. <laughs> so uh, I, I worry about filling it on a daily basis. But it's obvious that um, it looks like they just have completely gone above and beyond to to what Josh Holiday could could possibly want. And I think the biggest thing here. It's stunning that OSU has not won a conference championship since 1996. Mm. That's back when Josh Holiday was playing. Um, and I think all you got to do is drive down to the SEC and look at all their ballparks. And the proof is in the pudding because the SEC has won five of the past nine national championships in baseball. Like It's further proof that if you invest in your program, success follows. And I think it's, it's obvious, and I think Mike Holder's doing just that to, to try and win more at baseball. Yeah, it's uh, so it's thirty five hundred with the ability to expand to eight thousand. <laughs> Are they gonna like? Uh, it's like have transformers. Those, those pop up bleachers, yeah. <laughs> I, I, what's I, the I what's the transformers name? You got kids that probably watch that movie. Uh, yeah. Bum, Bumblebee. That's one of them. I was yeah. thinking of the Optimus Prime. It's the Optimus Prime go. of baseball stadiums. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, there's thirteen suites and four hundred. Uh, I guess I would call it club seats kind of like the football so one thing uh adam lunt pointed this out i think he said it on twitter he might have said it in slack but oklahoma state's done such a good job of of um this kind of having a unifying thread throughout all of its facilities so everything across campus looks the same and i think that's pretty cool i don't know some people might not like that or they might want each sport to have its own unique deal. But I, I think it's cool that it has, it has that kind of through line starting with football and everything that's on campus, the on-campus buildings, uh, or I guess starting with basketball to football to uh, tennis to baseball and, and so on. I, I, I don't know. Do you, do you like that or no? 
I love it. I think it's absolutely cool. I love the uniformity of it. I love just the way it looks too on top of all that. But, um, I think you've seen something similar at OU. I think their, their new stadium they've added on, it matches a lot of the architecture they have on their campus. And yeah. I think that looks just as cool. Yeah. Um, and, and OSU has a great campus. Like that's, that's another yeah. thing that it has going for it is, you know, I've been on a lot of college campuses and, and OSU is right up there as far as just the experience and, and just how cool everything looks. Yeah, totally. Um, I did think, real real quick though, I didn't think it was interesting that uh, Holder mentioned that they basically have ignored wrestling to this point. He he basically said they've won 34 national titles in spite of our lack of help. Uh, He mentioned it's time to invest in that. I'm interested to see what their plans will be for that. And if I'm wrestling, I'm I'm honestly a little upset that every other sport has been helped out before them. Now, is that go back to your notion of which sports get the most attention. I know tennis got theirs done first because they had a lot, they had someone donate a lot of money to the tennis thing, right? That tennis facility. Yeah. That's the only reason it got money first, I would think. But uh, no, I mean, wrestling has been the best program on campus since ever. And they've literally gotten nothing. So I'm, I'm interested to see what Holder will do with, for them moving forward. Yeah, I am too. Seth Duckworth, uh, who covers wrestling for us, wrote a piece today about uh, just kind of the potential there and uh, compared it to other schools that have gotten upgrade, uh, gotten their facilities upgraded. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see that as well. I mean, you, you say the best program on campus, you could argue the best program in the country, you know, right? Uh, of any sport, any school. It's It's been crazy. But... Over the, I mean, they haven't won a title since what seven, five, <laughs> I think five. Yeah, so it's been five a while, or seven, you know. And so I think there's a reason for that, though. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's a really good point. So I, I was glad that he mentioned that. Um, let's go ahead and toast since we're here. Uh, since I think we're both gonna toast uh, towards this. Um, it's time for the Coupel Works Toast of the Week. Coupel Works, bring great tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the Bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the refreshing Horny Toad Blonde. For your next watch party, tailgate, or get together with friends, enjoy a cold Coupel Works, and please remember to drink responsibly. I got to enjoy some cold Coupel Works with Kyle Boone on Thursday night. He, oh. uh, yeah, he came. He drove through. Uh, we had some. We had some Torchy's tacos on Thursday. Oh, so good. He, oh yeah, it was, it was great. But he drove through on his way to the final four. He was driving down to San Antonio. So he got to stop by and, uh, we played some, played some games with the kids. He, he smoked them. They woke up the next day and Jude, our middle child, who's four said, uh, dad, Kyle smoked us last night. (laughs) In what? In, uh, we played trouble. We played cars, trouble, cars, theme trouble. So yeah, he, uh, he did some damage, but it, we had, we had a good time, had some coops. He had the horny toad for the first time. He loved it. And, uh, yeah, it was a good time. So you're toasting Kyle Boone. I actually am. I, I was going to go baseball, but I, I was, I, I want to toast Kyle Boone because he, and I, I don't talk about anybody who works for the site enough publicly, but he has done such a good job of covering recruiting and making it an interesting and, <laughs> And not just recruiting, but but football and basketball as a whole. And you know, I, I've I think I've told him this privately, but I, I'm I'm proud of the work that he's done. Of going, eh, how cool is that to to 
you know, start where he did with just us interacting on Twitter. And now he's covering the final four in person in San Antonio. Um, so horny toad to Kyle Boone for, uh, for a job well done. And hopefully, uh, that he will continue to do for many years. Pretty cool. Very, very cool. Do we, do we have a bracket update, a coop bracket update? Uh, we, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll grab it for you while you toast somebody. Well, I will toast Josh Holiday. Um, I think he's put up with a lot since coming to OSU. I think this stadium has been probably not as quick as he may have been promised when he took the job. I think he's 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 bared with it and stuck with that. But um, just anytime this guy gets on a microphone, I'm ready to like sign up and donate money and like go to baseball games. Right? He's he's super interesting. He's a he's an OSU guy and. I thought it was really cool when Mike Holder was talking about how Josh grew up in Alley P as a kid, and he wants future generations to do the same in this new park. That was pretty cool. Uh, I know the seasons haven't quite played out as well since they made the College World Series, but uh, I think he's the man for the job, and uh, I think this is only going to... You know, Josh has always been known as an elite recruiter, and his recruiting may have suffered a little bit based on what he had to recruit to the last few years. You know, kids nowadays... You can only rest on the '80s for so long. You know they didn't they didn't grow up watching Robin Ventura and beating Cavillia, so that can only take you so far. You can try and explain to those guys how good they are, but I think now you're going to start seeing the elite recruiter that is Josh Holiday. So I'll, I'll toast him a uh, a Saturday siren for uh, sticking it out, and I think he's just done a good job since taking over. Yeah, it, it's been interesting. He's obviously been great, but they it, it seemed like they sort of purposefully shoehorned in uh, Rob Walton as well. Not that not that they're co-head coaches or anything like that, but he's he's clearly been a big part of all of this and they uh, not only Holiday but Mike Holder as well seems to continuously make note of that. So, pretty cool stuff that uh, two former players are uh, you know, hopefully building a program that is uh, really good for a really long time. Yep. Okay, I've got your update. We've got uh, F5 against Horny Toad and one side of the Final Four. Mm. That's a one versus a five. And then we're still awaiting the other side of the Final Four. We've got Saturday Siren against Vader, Siren oh. versus Vader. And then we got Alpha Hive against DNR. So those, two, those, the winner of those two will play in the other side of the Final Four. Vader versus Siren is like Tiger versus Phil for me. <laughs> I don't know who I want to win. Uh, who am I kidding? Tiger is uh, Vader. <laughs> Phil is Siren. I'll probably pick Vader on that one. Uh, did you see our poll question last week, by the way? Uh, I think so. What was it? Refresh it, my memory. It was, um, do you think Oklahoma State will be better or worse at basketball in, in 2019? Oh, that's tough. Because they're such an unknown, right? With you know the two transfer kids coming in, uh, we don't know who they're getting and recruiting. Uh, I would have to lean. Man, I'd have to look at the rest of the Big Twelve what they lose because some of those games they lost could turn into wins next year. I, I would lean worse off the top of my head. What about you? Yeah, I think worse. Ah. <sighs> They over they overachieved a little this year, right? Yeah, but it, it it's so hard because we talked about this last week. One guy can fl- can flip your can flip your season. I mean, we saw that with Kendall Smith. If they don't get Kendall Smith, they go what four and fourteen in the Big Twelve, five yeah. and thirteen. 
something like that. So I think, I think it's, I think the right answer is probably worse, but then if you say better, then you're basically putting your trust in Boynton to be able to either uh, land some last minute high school recruits or get uh, some more transfers or that Michael Weathers is the second coming of Bradley Beal or whatever. He's a point, he's a point guard. Remember? Yeah, I forgot. I, <laughs> I don't know. I, second I, coming of uh, Derek Rose. Yeah, there we go. Um, so yeah, I, w- I guess I would say worse, but I, I, I can easily envision a scenario in which they're, they're better. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm not like overly sold on worse. Worse is that's, is gonna is gonna be interesting for the program though, right? Like, what if they go six and twelve next year? People will be upset about the raise he got then at that point. Yeah, I know it's gonna it's gonna be a really because year one you're sort of like okay, well, there's some optimism, there's a reason for optimism, but just like Gundy did, you want that incremental improvement year over year, even if it's just one or two games a year. Mm-hmm. No, it's going to be super fascinating. But yeah. uh, I am I am interested to see who he lands in April. That's coming up. Yep. Uh, when is signing day? It's like mid-April, I believe. Somewhere yeah, in there. It, basketball is weird. There's like a multiple day or multiple week stretch in which you can sign. So it's it's a little different than football. But I'm sure Kyle Boone will have uh, everything locked down from a recruiting standpoint. I, I there's been a lot of. Uh, transfer names that have been thrown out there. I saw Mark Cooper talking about a kid from, I think it was A&M Corpus Christi. Um, some different guys that, that are, uh, that are available and, and that frankly Oklahoma state has spots for with, with Everett leaving. So they got what, like three scholarships available four I think four scholarships. Have, yeah. I think they have four. So, well, and that's kind of where the sport has, you know, transfers have always been a part of college basketball, but I feel like now it's like, the main way to get players every single year, there's a bunch of guys transferring and they're on the open market and you, you almost recruit that way. And it worked for Eddie. I mean, how, how many guys did Eddie actually sign out of high school on his best teams? Not a lot. Most of them were transfers from either other colleges or other junior colleges. So maybe that's a formula that, that Mike Boynton can recruit to as well. It, it obviously worked out with Kendall Smith. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, speaking of Mike Gundy, you had a you had a Mike Gundy quote that you wanted to discuss. Yeah, it's just annoying. Like Mike Gundy had this quote about Jim Knowles. He said, "Well, I I googled a bunch of coaches that maybe had less talent than teams they were playing against, and he stuck out." Which, huh? I mean, when is OSU going to start recruiting like a big boy? Like he, he basically is resigned to the fact that his players aren't as good. Well, that's 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 your choosing. I mean. OSU's top 10 in wins since 2008, but they don't act like it. They don't recruit like it. And I think that's where some frustration can set in for people like Mike Holder, and maybe that's why they butt heads in that we built you all this, all these facilities, and you're still recruiting in like the mid-30s nationally. <laughs> I mean, that, that doesn't make any sense. On top of the fact you've had all the success. Now, the obvious response to that would be was, you know, they win 10 games practically every year. Uh, but I just, this notion that he wanted to go get a coach that, that plays with less talent because that's kind of what, what I, what I deal with, uh, is, is nonsense. And of course I've got the, the OSU sugarcoat fans that say, he's not saying that he, he's saying he wants a coach that has less talent cause he can coach him up. And that's how you really see if a guy can coach. Okay. If that's the way, if that's the way you want to look at it, fine. But there, there's a clear reason why Gundy would look for a coach with those specific set of skills is because, 
he views that he doesn't have as good a talent as Texas and Oklahoma, which he doesn't usually. But and I'm not expecting him to recruit like Texas and Oklahoma. I'm expecting him to recruit like TCU. TCU. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just it's annoying and it's obviously not changing and obviously Gundy's had success and he has this cowboy culture formula that he has and it's worked really well for him. That's not the criticism. The criticism is that he has the the arsenal to recruit much better than he is. He just doesn't seem interested in doing that. Yeah. I mean, it, I feel like we go round and round with this and I, I just, I, I'm curious if it, it was funny after I think it was Bedlam last year. I think it was the Monday press conference after Bedlam. And he presented um, some points per drive numbers as if he had just discovered them in 2017. And (laughs) I don't know if that's true or not. I have no idea where he stands on statistics, progressive statistics such as points per drive. But I'm curious what he would say if you showed him the fact that there's only been um, two teams that have played in the uh, college football playoff that have been outside like a four-year average of, I don't know, the top 10 or top 15 in recruiting, and they both got hammered. One of them was uh, Michigan State, which lost Alabama like 40 to nothing, and the <laughs> other and the other was Washington. And, and so those are sort of – that's sort of where – Oklahoma state would fall in terms of from a talent standpoint. Um, And those are the only two teams that have really ever quote unquote played for the title. Because if you go back in the BCS era, all of those teams as far, as far back as we have recruiting data were, were top 10 or top 15 average recruiting classes. Uh, Now, some of this is you can kind of dovetail with the juggernaut theory, which we've talked about a lot, but you're just, if the goal is to win a title, and I presume it is you're, you're just, it's not going to happen the way you're recruiting. And so you're sort of relegated to either a miracle or just hopefully winning the big 12, you know? And, and I think that's sort of the point that, that we're both getting at. Like if, if Gundy wants to take a real shot at winning a title, you've, you, you can't, you can't recruit the way that you are. Yep. And there's a reason you know, you've only won one Big 12 championship despite being the second best program over that span. I think, you know, those that l- little differences in talent make add up. I mean, so, I mean, the, the only time they won the Big 12 was when they had caught lightning in a bottle with, with Brandon Whedon and, and Justin Blackman. And I'm sure there's people yelling at their computer right now, Justin Blackman was a three-star, which there, there are exceptions, but there's also rules too, you know? Yeah. Like Des Bryant was a legit four, five-star, depending on what uh, ranking service you looked at. And he was a difference maker. Like, yeah. why is Dez the only one they've gotten that's been that high, highly recruited hardly? I mean, they, they, they do get receivers. I will say that. You know, Casey Dunn's getting all the talent he wants now at receiver. Uh, C.J. Moore could have gone anywhere in the country. So I'm yeah. not I'm, – I'm more talking about just the program as a whole. And I'm, I'm still getting tweets. Carson, you totally whiffed on what Gundy meant. Oh, okay. If, if, if you want to spin it that – he was just looking for an elite coach because that's how you look for elite coaches is guys that coach with less talent and outperform that. Okay. If that's the way you want to take that quote, uh, do you view it that way? Is, it, is that what you think he was trying to say? Well, it, it almost doesn't matter to me. It's sort of, I mean, I, I think, I think he would agree with your, your point either way. 
Right. Like, like, I think he would say, even if he did mean it the other way, I think he would say, like, I mean, it's not like he's he's pretty open about just wanting to get three stars. Yeah. It's, it's, he doesn't, like, try to hide it. So I, no. I, I think that even if that's not what he meant, I, I don't think he would necessarily disagree with what you're saying. So I don't think it really Well, and, and he was asked about searching for a coach. So he's, he's searching what fits his program. He's not searching for the quality that he thinks makes a be- the best possible defensive coordinator is my point. So whatever. Yeah. We don't have to get – I just – I don't know. It was just kind of an annoying quote. And it's just – it's amazing to me where they rank in recruiting and where they're at as a program. Just it's vastly different. But again, Gundy will point to his, his record. Yeah. And again, I again I still say 10 win seasons are not all created equal. It's still kind of crazy that Gundy got a raise after last season. It's like backdoor when, top 10s at, at majors. Yeah, it's like he pulled a Rory. <laughs> four, four straight top tens when he was never in contention. Okay, so from here on out, we're going to talk Masters. We're going to do a uni preview of the Masters. So if you're not interested in golf, you can uh, just eject, <laughs> shut it down if you want. But if you are, then uh, let's get to this week's uniform preview brought to you by Chris's University Spirit. Your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. Be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Okay, Carson, here's, here's the game we're playing this week. I've got a list of names here, including the Oklahoma State guys that are in the Masters. I'm going to give you a name, and you're going to tell me whether you approve or do not approve of their uh, attire. Not for the Masters, because we don't know it all, but just in general of their golf attire. Okay. What are, what are your criteria here, by the way? Uh, Nike swoosh or not. <laughs> That's it. That's it. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we all have our preferences. I'm not a big, not a big flat bill guy. Um, can't wear your clothes too tight, but also not too baggy. So I don't know. I have minor, minor details. Okay. Uh, my first guy is also number one on my, uh, ranking the field list. That's Jordan Spieth. Um, I like, I like his attire. I think he does a good job, uh, with Under Armour. It's a, it's a, it's a tough task wearing Under Armour in golf, but he's made it kind of cool. Uh, he's, he's good. He, he really, he wears the, uh, the white pants well, which is not an easy thing to do. Uh, it's kind of his best look is when he wears the white hat with the white pants. Uh, that's kind of his Sunday look generally. Uh, so no, he, he's clean. I, I like his, I like his attire. Matt Kuchar. I, hard to envision a worse <laughs> shoe game in, in the, on the tour. He wears Skechers. So I know that uh, Skechers would have to pay me $10 million a year to wear Skechers. Uh, other than that, I, you know, he, he's fine. He, I, what, what apparel does he wear? There's no Bridgestone. I don't know what actual clothing he wears. Yeah, I don't I don't even remember. I, I, I just know that it's all like... Very it's always co- na- navy and colorful and like some like sort of mismatched. Yeah, that's it's not great. <laughs> uh, Justin Thomas. Uh, he's 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 high on the list. I mean, it's hard to screw up Ralph Lauren shoes. Uh, uh, he wears the uh, like the what do you call those shoes? They're like black and white. The office shoes. Wingtip. Wingtip. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's he's up there. Uh, his hat game needs a little work, but other than that, he's pretty good. Uh, Alex Noren, Oklahoma State guy. 
Uh, he's Nike'd out, so he's good with me. Uh, he wears it pretty well. Um, he, he has to wear the blade collar, which I'm not a big fan of, just because Nike makes him. But uh, no, I, I'm kind of surprised Norman's a Nike guy, aren't you? He's not well known. Yeah, they've got a lot of guys that are not well known though. They're just sort of, I, I think, like you, you'll sort of notice they've got guys from every like uh, area of the world. <laughs> so they don't have like ten Swedish guys, but they've got one who's good. You know, so like they can kind of sell to Sweden through Alex mm. Noren. They can sell to China through Hao Tong Li. So I, oh, I think that's sort of their actually. He's uh, not, Surrey Surrey's a Nike guy too. Hao Tong Li is no longer Nike, uh, so I don't know what happened there. But but yeah, so I, I where's think Surrey from? Uh, he's for I think he's French. Okay, so mm. France is covered. That might be wrong. I'll I'll look it up. Okay, uh, <laughs> Phil Mickelson. Oh, he's at or near the top. The the snakeskin uh, shoes or those alligator shoes. Uh, I love the all black on Sunday as well. Like if I if I played golf, I'd wear all black on Sunday. Uh, I love I love Phil's attire. Uh, Surrey is actually American. Okay, I knew he went to Duke. I thought he was foreign though. Yeah, I did too. Uh, okay, uh, Ricky Fowler. He's gotten a lot better in recent years. I went back and watched an old Masters. I think it was the one Bubba won, his second one. And Ricky was wearing like a fitted hat that like covered his ears. Like yeah. his ears were tucked in the hat, <laughs> which was not good. And he was wearing plaid pants, which weren't great. But I feel like he's cleaned up. Like he played terrible this weekend at Houston on Sunday, but he wore orange, orange, white, which was great because there was the PGA Tour posted some picture of dudes wearing all orange. And Ricky's learned that's not not a great look. So not he's good. he's he's come a long way in the last two or three years. I feel like. Yeah, I agree. Uh, okay. Last two, Rory McIlroy. Oh, this is tough. He's good. He, he's gotten a lot, like just in the last year or two, like when he first switched to Nike, he had his own line where like the sleeves were different colors. They, that was hideous. He made Nike look terrible. But now that he's wearing kind of the generic stuff most of the other guys wear, he looks a lot better. So I'll give him two thumbs up. Yeah, I don't like the, the different colored sleeves. Those were awful. Yeah. He did win two majors with him, though. He also won one wearing the Oakley and the Juma Jumaira. Jumaira. What was that? What was Jumaira? It, it's a it's a hotel and it's like a, it's like the the Riverwind of like the UAE <laughs> or something. Yeah, that was not the great look. Uh, okay, we'll finish up with Tiger. I mean, I'm running out of thumbs to give thumbs up. I mean, uh, I, I really have loved how he kind of, the Sunday red, he'll kind of mix it up a little to where it's not pure red. I kind of like that. But for the, for Augusta, he's got to wear the, the old school red on Sunday. Uh, but no, his, I've really grown to like his Thursday, Friday, Saturday attire too. He, he's been mixing it up quite well too. So, I mean, he's, he's the best. I wear Tiger Woods polos when I play. So I'm obviously biased. He he does he does it well. He he has been doing it well for a long time. His pants get a little baggy sometimes. Well, like they it, were in mid two thousands. They were really baggy, but yeah. I think that's just a sign of the times. But even still, like sometimes I'm like, we could we could tighten those up a little. But um, I get the, you got to give room for the glutes to fire properly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As long as he doesn't go like uh, the faded 
uh, colors, like one one color faded into another, which he's done a couple times. That's not good. As long as yeah. he keeps it like pretty like solid colors, I'm I'm all in. Like he's he's great. Yeah, the the fade that was like diagonal across the shirt wasn't that's, good. That's not good. That wasn't good. Yeah. So. Has he okay. posted what he's wearing? Does Nike posted out what they're wearing this week? Yes. Oh. I'm I don't Google know that up. I don't know if it's public. I think it. Oh, is. they haven't. They just emailed you privately. Uh, I did get an email. I'll, I'll look it up. Let's. Um, we're gonna go. Oh yeah, it's public. We're gonna go uh, here one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit, and then we're gonna come back and we are going to pick help Carson pick his masters team. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986, and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise, and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head to toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, we are back. Uh, did you find what Tiger's wearing this weekend at Augusta? I'm on Nike Golf Twitter. I got Roy, Roy's wearing pink on Sunday, trying to copy Tiger. <laughs> Does Tiger usually wear pink on Sunday? Well, it's he can't wear the full attire, but uh, like like Patrick Reed will. Yeah. Ooh, Jason Day's wearing OSU colors on Saturday. If he makes it there, uh, I I don't see. I just see it's all Rory. I, I see no Tiger. But I'll it's. That's fine. I got I got all week to, f- to figure that out. Um, how do you want to do this? <clears throat> I want to tell you what. How many teams do you have? I can pick as many as I want. Um, any five golfers. So I'm, I'm probably gonna do three teams. I'll do one team of like just total heavyweights. You know, JT, Tiger, Phil, Spieth. But I do have two problems. You know, I, on this podcast, I picked Justin Rose like a month ago. But now everyone's come around. Every single golf writer and analyst is picking Justin Rose. And I'm, I'm really worried about that pick. And I really was going to – him and Spieth were the two guys I was going all in on. And, of course, Spieth had to play well at Houston. Now everyone's going to be on him again. So I'm a little worried about those two things. Um, I would not be worried about either one of those guys. They're both going to play really well. Okay, but I'm just worried about they're going to be so owned and everyone's going to have them on their team. It'll just cancel me out now, which is what I'm not too hyped about. But let me give you a few guys from my wild card team. My wild card team always does better than my heavyweight team. Guys that, you know, you can pick any five, so not a lot of people pick the mid-tier guys or even lower than that. Uh, my number one sleeper, Kyle, is Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah, I like that. He's number one in strokes gained on par fives. Yep. Uh, he was in contention as an amateur, uh, was really high up there. I think he finished like 21 or something like that, but he was on the leaderboard as an amateur. You know he's on the greens right now with his uh, st- his um, geography tools, or ge- geometry tools. Sorry, I screwed that up. Maybe but geography too. He's he's getting scientific with the greens. You, do you like him? I love him. He's number 26 in my ranking the field, and I could be talked into him, into him being higher. Ooh, so we're on the same page there. I, I, 
I'm going to, he's going to be on my team. And I think he could win me some money if he, if he does well. Cause I don't think a lot of people are going to put him on their team. Uh, the other guy, he, he also, he also thinks he's going to win. Right. I need so that irrational confidence. That's that. Yeah, that's helpful. Uh, another guy is, is Paul Casey. I think he's going to be on my team. He's he's so good at Augusta. You have the stats to back that up. Three straight top six finishes. Top six? Top six. Oh, my. Even better than I remembered. I had to stare at that stat for five minutes to confirm it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, he's been great. And he's he won, uh, obviously, at the Valspar. Um, he's... I feel like guys like that's what I look for is is track records at Augusta. I don't I don't want Henrik Stenson on my team. He stinks no. it up every time you, he plays there. You don't you don't want Henrik Stenson. So, uh, Casey's number sixteen in my ranking the field. Yeah, that's good. So we're, we're on the same page so far. Uh, Matt Kuchar, I, th- I feel like he's got as good a track record as anybody at Augusta. That's another mid tier guy. I like don't you? He's number fourteen. Whoa, four straight. So Four straight top ten, or f- excuse me, four top tens in his last six outings here. Well, well, he showed Rory the way on those those Sunday back doors top tens. <laughs> he he taught Rory how that's done. They played together last year on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they're they're already scheming for uh, Augusta. They might pair them together just for old time's sake. Uh, and a guy that wasn't on this list on the odds this time last week is Ian Poulter. He just won. He's mm. sixty. He's sixty to one. He's sixty to one. He wasn't even in the tournament until it's, yesterday. It stinks that these are not weighted. Like you should get more points for guys that are lower down. I agree, but the fact is, no one else is going to have Ian Poulter. Yeah. So if he does well, then you're you're passing everybody. That's kind of the the game you play. But I, I I won't have Poulter on there. He doesn't putt well enough. I know he has the new. He busted out the Ryder Cut putter. Which why would he ever go away from that? I, I don't know. Why I, did he put it up? I I have no idea. These guys are um, dumb with that. Like Stinson put away his three wood that he destroyed um, the British Open with. He like just quit using it. It's like, dude, you just broke a record with that thing. Yeah, they golfers weird. Yeah, very very ritualistic. Um, you want a couple more in my in my top twenty that that might be sleepers? Yes. Okay, I've got Louis Oosthuizen at thirteen. Yeah, I mean he's he's always played well here. He, it feels like he never is playing well. Going into the majors, he just plays well at the majors. Is that my, my favorite? That right? My favorite stat in golf is he's four swings from having four majors. Oh my god! From That's right. British Masters, uh, Masters twice. Well, no, he, no he, he lost in in an Open playoff. He lost in a Masters playoff, and then he missed a playoff at Chambers Bay by one stroke. Wow! Yeah. He also, um, he also finished second at the PGA last year. So he's up there for me. Thomas Peters is up there. I love him. I picked him last year, and he finished fourth. Yep. Uh, I, I do worry about him, though. He's not quite – you know, I thought after that performance he would be up there more often. You don't really hear his name a whole bunch. Does he play in Europe more? Yeah, he plays He plays on the European Tour more. He's also been a little up and down over the last year, but I, I just – driving is at such a premium here and he's he, he hasn't been driving it that well but he's so good from tee to green and and played so well here last year i i just i don't know he i, I just think people are gonna especially for your sake i think people are gonna kind of ignore him as well as tommy fleetwood mm-hmm. uh, and I, I think those two guys can be assets for the game that you're playing so fleetwood's uh, a bo- fleetwood's a bomber too 
uh, he's not as long as Peters, but he's he's long enough, and he's probably a top. I'd I'd say he's like a top seven ball striker in the world. Yeah, that's like just a few more names that you would think. Like I think the number one trait, other than driving, I think is just I want to pick a team of like the best iron players in the field. Yeah, that's think, what it's all about. That's, that's how you I, win. So so people get people get Rory was talking about this the other day. People get so worked up about putting. And this is this is why Spieth is number one in my rankings. I, I don't I don't care that he's 185th in putting. That that does not matter to me. I care that he's uh, like third from tee to green. Mm-hmm. Like that that's that's what I care about because that's how you win the Masters. If you're if every shot is three feet from the hole, I could I could putt for you and you're going to win the Masters. Mm-hmm. So I I just think that people get so concerned about. Oh, Spieth's not putting well. Spieth's not putting well. Well, yeah, who cares? He finished fourth last week because he was first in the field in strokes gained tee to green. Yep. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you. Pick guys that are hitting it well, not – forget the putting. Yeah, I agree. Uh, um, a couple others. I, pa- Patrick Cantlay. I, I, I can't do it. He's not fine. good enough. He's, 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 what happens he's, if he hits it in a bunker? He, what do you mean? He's, he's done. His short game's terrible. Patrick Cantlay? Yes. Are we talking about the same guy? I think so. Mm, Pat, Patrick Cantlay might win the Masters this year. No way. Yeah. He's he's probably one of the 12 best ball strikers in the world. Okay, so he's good with the irons that I just mentioned. <laughs> uh, he, is, he, will, uh, he will not be on my team. I, I do not like him at all. Okay, that's fine. Um, Don't text more, me after he's... Uh, well, I mean... Yeah, if, if he wins the thing, I'll come on come on your hat in hand when he beats Rory in a playoff. So last year he was uh, number fourteen strokes gained tee to green, number nine overall in strokes gained tee to green. What's his on Masters the, history on the PGA Tour? He played it as an amateur and finishes the low AM in two thousand twelve. So not much to go on, but we've seen debutants have success before. It's not just totally out of the realm of possibility. Can I give you two more sleepers? Yep. Tell me what you think about them. Uh, RCB, Rafael Cabrera Bello. I love this guy. Yeah, he's a baller. He, he's uh, I've a got stud. Him, I've got him 39th. Um, he finished 17th two years ago. So he just he he, he doesn't win, but he, he's very consistently in the top 25, top 20. So, yeah, I, I mean – if you're picking him, expecting him to like top five or top ten, I, I would not expect that. But I think he's a he's a good middle tier guy to finish in the top twenty. Okay, and I need you to talk me out of this guy, which I know you're not going to, because I know you like him as well. But this guy is right there with DeChambeau as my two favorite kind of different names to put on my team. Tony Finau. I'm yeah, I'm not going to talk you anywhere. He's 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 a bomber. Um, can he? Does he have the short game to? contend well again like the the, to win your short game has to be lights out but to finish top 10 it doesn't have to be if that makes if that makes sense so i just he's he's number 23 on my list right behind cantley wow that's high yeah cantley's 22 Fino's my highest first appearance guy well i've been watching all these these masters on youtube and i just i feel like if you can 
just dominate the par fives, you can win the tournament. Like you can, if you can make eagle on 13 and 15, like that's you have to make like eagle on those holes. And I feel like the, the big hitters are the only ones that really have a, a true chance to do that every single round. So I wrote an article today for CBSSports.com, and it and it looks at the uh, what what guys did on the par fives in the last ten Masters, what the winners did. So almost all of the scoring that happened for the winners happened on the par five. So last year Sergio finished at nine under overall. Guess what? He played the par fives in seven under. Wow. Uh, 2015 Spieth finished at 18 under overall. He played the par fives in 12 under. Yep. 2014 Bubba eight under overall, eight under on the par fives. Wow. 2012 Bubba 10 under overall, eight under on the par fives. My favorite one, Zach Johnson, 2007, one over overall, eleven under on the par fives. Even the even Zach tore it up. Yeah, he didn't hit, he didn't hit it far at all. So no, that's you, that's the key. That's the whole key to winning this tournament. Yeah. Um, that's why I like Bryson DeChambeau, number one strokes gain on par fives. There you go. Zach's I think that, my, I my think pick. that's a great pick. He's such a he's such an oddity because people are like. I mean, he's he's very much in the vein of Patrick Reed and and Poulter, where people are just like just have the hottest takes about him, whether whether it's good or bad. And so, if you're if you're playing against a bunch of people that just don't like him or haven't heard of him, then he's a great pick. I feel like because he's I mean, to your point, he had success here as an amateur. He was leading mm-hmm. the tournament on Friday, or That's or, right. or close to it. And then he hits it where I do on 18 when I play the course last year, which is not where you want to be. And he ends up <laughs> making a triple or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I, I love the Bryson pick. I think that's well, great. Well, that's why I'm not picking Ricky. We saw this weekend he just has those those blow-up holes that just derail his tournament. He, he needs to limit the, the triples to at least just bogey. He just, for whatever reason, he's... He's still prone to those those blow up holes, so Ricky will not be on my team, unfortunately. Well, um, I I picked him to win the tournament, so I don't feel good. Preseason? No, this week also. What? Yeah. Well, talk about burying the lead. Well, you're I mean, picking Ricky Fowler to win the Masters. Yeah. Why? I don't know. I feel like you pick him every year, other than Rory. <laughs> Well, I can't pick both of them every year. <laughs> I know. It's, you just flip a coin. No, I, I haven't picked him doing the Masters before. I, my reasoning going in was that last year he played in the second-to-last group on Sunday, and he didn't even hit it that well. Like, he, he, he was just kind of kind of just slapping it around, and you're like, wow, Fowler's in the, in the second-to-last pairing on Sunday? Is this is this happening? I think he shared the lead on Sunday for a little bit and then he sort of faded because he wasn't hitting it well. And this year he'd been hitting it really well. He just hadn't been putting. And again, I don't care about the putting that can flip in a week. It does. It doesn't matter to me. Um, but then in Houston, he goes from 12th in strokes gained on the PGA tour to 30th, uh, in one week. So, and I made my pick last week before, before Houston. So I just, I don't know. I, I don't feel good. Hmm. Well, he has a good track record at the Masters, and yeah. you and I have always said that uh, he'll either win a British or a Masters. I think those are the two that favor his game the most. Um, uh, last two, I mean, wh- what do you make of Tiger? I mean, I, 
I, I think he'll do well just because he's, he's always so good at Augusta. I, I really worry about the driver. Am I making too big of a deal about that? He hasn't even been able to hit driver this year hardly at all, and you have to hit it at Augusta. Am I, am I putting too much stock into that over his just overall play? Uh, I don't think you have to hit it. I think that it is certainly helpful, but he's so long off the tee right now that he can hit driver and keep up with, or excuse me, he can hit three wood or two iron and keep up with a lot of guys that are hitting driver, you know? And and so Augusta is a place where if you're, if you're wild off the tee, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't penalize you like a U.S. open. Uh, I just, man, I, I would be shocked if you finish outside the top 10. Okay. I, I, I just don't, And I know that sounds crazy, or I guess that maybe a month ago it would have sounded crazy, but the way he's played in his history here, 13 top 10s and 18 appearances, he didn't play for two months in 2015 and he finished 17th. So I just, I think he's going to finish in the top 10. Yeah. You you bring up the, the 2015 masters when he had a broken back and still was what the third to last pairing and was in contention. (laughs) Yeah crazy i mean i'll be rooting for that and last one phil i mean if i gotta make a pick between tiger and phil on my team who who should i feel like i should lean phil with the way he's playing no tiger no you don't like phil phil's missed two cuts in the last four years here he's just he he has been playing great really well this year but i just i don't i don't know if i can trust him as much as i can trust tiger and again i know that sounds crazy but phil is so streaky and especially at an older age he get he just go it's just i don't know it gets up and down sometimes and uh, i could see him i could see him missing the cut i could also see him winning but in term like from a consistency and what i feel like i'm getting i i would go tiger okay well one last question before i make my team on the air um your boy your boy jt you've been for more than a year you've been telling me he's elite he's proven that since then i feel a little dumb by not thinking he was elite <laughs> uh he doesn't have the greatest track record at the masters but he's only played there what twice yeah so how do you how do you think he'll do i've got him number two in my field rankings whoa yeah i mean honestly with how well he's playing i would be just shocked if he wasn't in contention i think he thinks he's gonna win the masters and i know everybody sort of does but i think he, like he really thinks it well, he, he should he should rightfully believe he's the best golfer in the world. Yeah, I mean, you I mean, yeah, he, you, you could he's, argue he's not he's not number one, but he's playing a lot better than Dustin Johnson is. One of the things I really like from guys at Augusta, I was looking this up today, is uh, ball apex. So how high you hit the ball, uh, because it's so much easier to to land it and and to stop it when you hit it really high. And he, I think last year he was top thirty in apex in terms of how high he hits it. Guys like Jason Day, John Rahm, Rory are all guys that hit it really high. So that's one thing that he has going for him, but also like the par fives. I mean, the, the course just plays to a par of like 68 or 69 for guys like him and DJ. And so if you shoot JT par, you're going to win the tournament. Um, hmm. So, yeah, I, I – I don't know that I totally trust him at Augusta, but I do think he's, I mean, he's just so elite. Like he's so, so good. And if you look at his numbers compared to early Spieth numbers, like the start of Spieth's career, it's, I don't, I don't necessarily know that 
I think Spieth is better, but it's certainly a, a conversation. For sure. So that's what makes it so hard in this pool. It's not tiered. It'd be so hard for me to pick Tony Finau over Justin Thomas. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but without further ado, this is going to be my team that we've constructed. It's going to be uh, my number. You, you put them in order, too, in order to finish. Uh, I'm going one. I'm going Justin Rose. He was my pick a month ago. I love it. He's. I saw uh, your stat Your stat friend. What's his name? Justin Ray. Justin Ray, yeah. Said he had the most birdies since 2012, most greens in regulation. Basically, was far and away the best golfer at Augusta the past five years. So, I'm going with him. And then number two, Jordan Spieth. Yeah, sounds like you like that pick. Spieth was number one in your rankings with uh, Brennan Porath, but you're picking Ricky instead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I am. I, sounds I, like I, a little waffling over there <clears throat> at, uh, at Porter Cabin. Yeah, I <laughs> Ricky wasn't even in my top ten, and I'm still picking him. I I don't know why. I'm I'm lost. Because you're wearing your you're wearing your swinging Pete hat. I've got a, Augusta again. I've got a two way miss going on. It's not good. Okay, uh, three Tiger. Who am I kidding? Tiger's on my team. Let's go. I'm gonna be wearing my red polo on Sunday. Uh, number four, DeChambeau. I think you agree with me on that one as well. Yep. And five, I'm gonna go Finau. I just think. To win this thing, you got to have two guys off the radar, and those two guys are, are far enough off the radar. I think if, if they play well enough, I could win the whole thing. So, I, yeah, I, Finau is far enough off the radar. Do you think too many guys would pick Kucher or Casey? Uh, yeah, but I mean, you could talk me into them. Should I go Kucher and Casey instead of DeChambeau? And no, no, I I like Desha- I, I would almost go DeChambeau and Casey. Yeah, I, I trust Casey a lot more than Finau. Yeah, and I don't okay. know. Th- I don't know that more. Like I don't know that the difference in how many people pick Casey and Finau is going to be that high. Yeah, but well, I think know, Casey's going to be high owned. Just people are going to look at those top sixes and yeah. Uh, but I, but I I don't think I've told you how much I am high on Casey yet. Really, I mean, I, I kind of explained it, but I he was one. He was in there with Rose, Spieth, and DeChambeau this week when I was kind of thinking about guys I was going to pick. So I, I'm, yeah. I'm all in on him too. So he should I'll, be. I'll sub him in for fee now. So Rose, Spieth, Tiger, DeChambeau, Casey. Love it. So when yeah. I, when I win all the money, I'll, I'll send you a check and you can pay me and, uh, or you can send me master's gear and I'll, I'll send you a check. <laughs> I bet you just played for pride. Well, lots of, lots of pride. Uh, <laughs> Okay, Carson, uh, it's been fun. Enjoy the Masters. I will certainly be enjoying it, and uh, we will reconvene next week to talk about if Ricky Fowler can get halfway to the slam at the U.S. Open. Sounds good, man. Have a good time. You know I wish I would be with you, but maybe next year. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll talk to you later, Carson. All right, see ya. Goodbye.